Hi, listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. In 1974, a 17-year-old cheerleader was abducted from a car. She was raped and strangled in Texas. Her case had multiple suspects, but none were ever convicted of the crime. Until now. This is the story of the murder of Carla Walker. On Saturday, February 16, 1974, in Fort Worth, Texas, it was an exciting day for Carla Walker. That day, Carla had spent the afternoon getting ready for the Valentine's Day dance at her high school. Carla was 17, she was a cheerleader, and she was known to have many friends, and she had her whole life ahead of her. Carla was attending the school dance with her boyfriend, Ronnie. Ronnie was a year older than her, and he was a quarterback of the football team. Now, friends described the couple as the perfect high school sweethearts. Friends said that Carla's family adored Rodney, and even though they were young, the couple had already started making plans for their future. Carla's family already considered Rodney as part of their family, and they welcomed him with open arms. And the Valentine's Day dance was like any other high school dance that I can remember I ever attended. Now, the Valentine's Day dance was like many of from what I remember my high school dances being like. They were fun, full of laughter, and although all the school dances were chaperoned, obviously as teens, we always found a way to break the rules and, you know, sneak in a little alcohol, even though we weren't supposed to. Oh, damn, look at you. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry, Dad. (laughs) So, Ronnie later told police that he and Carla actually partook in sipping from a flask, and they smoked a little bit of pot at the dance. Now, Carla and Ronnie left the dance a little early with a group of friends, and the group went to a local eatery, they grabbed some snacks, and they just hung out for a bit, you know, they were just being teens. Yeah. So, Carla and Ronnie said goodnight to their friends, and they drove off. But Ronnie and Carla didn't head straight home. Instead, the couple went to a popular hangout, which happened to be the local bowling alley. They went in briefly to use the restrooms, then they returned to the car. Now, the parking lot was pretty empty that night, and they happened to park in a secluded area of the parking lot. Mm -hmm. They were sitting in the car, and they were just talking and laughing. Then the two teenagers began kissing. As, As they started kissing, Carla happened to lean against the passenger door. Now, at this point, Carla and Ronnie are kissing. They're making out pretty much. So they failed to notice that a man had approached the car. Oh, no. All of a sudden, the passenger door opens. And because Carla had been leaning her body up against the car door, Carla falls out of the car. Ronnie attempted to grab her when all of a sudden, the strange man that had opened that door started to repeatedly hit Ronnie in the head with something hard. Hmm. Then Ronnie notices that the man is now putting an object against his head. And only then does he realize that the man had a gun. Oh, no. Carla was screaming for the man to stop hitting Ronnie. Then Ronnie heard Carla say, I'll go with you. Just don't shoot him. Then Ronnie heard the gun go off. And when he heard the gun go off, he thought he had been shot. But he hadn't. 
The man then pointed the gun in his face and pulled the trigger a couple of times. But guess what? What happened? The gun was empty, and all he heard was the empty click. What? The gun wasn't loaded, okay? But then the man hit Ronnie again with the gun, and this time, Ronnie was knocked out unconscious. Wow. Now, Ronnie didn't see the man lead his girlfriend, Carla, away, but the last thing he remembered was Carla screaming, Go get my dad. Ronnie didn't know how much time had passed before he regained consciousness again. But when he did regain consciousness, Ronnie immediately started to drive to Carla's house. Now, Ronnie arrives at Carla's house and he's able to stumble to the front door and he knocks on the door. Carla's mother opens the door and her eyes are met with horror. And I will tell you what she saw after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. Now, Carla's mother opens the door and she sees Ronnie covered in blood, which to me, I just picture something out of a horror story. Like I just picture his face just covered in blood, not being able to tell who you're even looking at. Right. So right away, Ronnie is able to tell Carla's parents what happened. And Carla's mother immediately calls 911 and she informs them that she needs an ambulance right away and the cops. Now, in the meantime, Carla's father jumps into his car and drives to the bowling alley, which 
At this time, it's now closed. Yeah, because it's already so late. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you drive there, what are you going to look for? I mean, oh, man, that sounds just any terrible. Sign. I mean, he's looking for any sign of his daughter. And at this point, when he arrives, he's also met there with police officers, mm-hmm. okay? So, police and volunteers undertook an extensive search. And they searched everywhere for Carla. They searched on foot, by horseback, and even by helicopter. But Carla was nowhere to be found. Now, police officers went to the hospital to question Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Now, Ronnie's description of the man was clean-cut, Caucasian, and slender. Ronnie told police that he had short, wavy hair, a thick Texas straw, average height, and he had been wearing a shiny green sleeveless vest and a white cowboy hat. That's a that's a crazy description. It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he's wearing like a like a costume or something. I don't right. Know. So now at the abduction site, police found a magazine for a twenty-two caliber pistol. At this point, police are looking at Ronnie as a possible suspect, but he was quickly ruled out again when they showed up at the hospital and they saw his injuries. Police knew he was not involved in this. Yeah, I now, mean, he was probably too beat up to obviously do that to himself right? right so police didn't have much to go on and they had no leads but after three days of searching police discovered carla's body oh man it's terrible yeah she was partially clothed and was in a ditch near lake benbrook now police determined there had been evidence to suggest that carla may have been held captive tortured and sexually assaulted and injected with morphine. Oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. So the autopsy estimated her time of death as of Monday, meaning she was held captive for roughly 24 to 36 hours. Now, her cause of death was strangulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but get this. Police received 200 tips from the public. And several suspects were actually investigated. That's so crazy to me. 200 on a late night mm-hmm. at a bowling alley where there is literally nobody in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, how does that add up? Right? But within those suspects and within those tips that they received, one man was a previously convicted car thief mm-hmm. who lived less than a mile from the bowling alley. His name was Glenn Samuel McCurley. And he was a truck driver who was off work the night of the abduction and had no alibi because his wife was away for the weekend. Okay, Hmm. so he was initially picked up because he had recently purchased new bullets for his 22 caliber pistol, which happens to be the same gun that matched the magazine that was found at the abduction site. Okay, right. But Glenn told police that his gun had been stolen while he had been fishing. The date that he gave for the theft was around the same time as Carla's abduction. That's really convenient. Isn't it? So he also told police officers he hadn't reported the gun stolen because he had a criminal record. So Glenn claimed to have been living a quiet life since getting out of prison. Mm -hmm. He claimed to just be working, fishing, and spending time with his wife. Now... Remember, Glenn also told, but you can't verify this with my wife because she... She was out of town. She was out of town. Right. So she was unable to provide an alibi for him. But what was even more suspicious was that Glenn had taken a couple of days off work during the time of Carla's abduction. 
But Glenn would eventually be released because there was no evidence to directly link him to the crime. And police just, you know, started focusing on other suspects. Hmm, that's odd. I mean, did he fit the description? Do you know? You know, that's a good question. I don't know that he did. I think he did, but that was later on where when they went back to Ronnie to show him pictures. Oh, it's this point. Right. Done that yet. Gotcha. But even then, they still had nothing else to tie him to the crime. Right. Now, over the years, several people came forward attaching themselves to the case, but all of them were able to get eliminated with nothing else to go on. So the case, unfortunately, ended up going cold, and it stayed cold for over four and a half decades. Wow. Now, Glenn McCurley stayed in the area with his wife, having children of his own and watching them grow up, which is something that Carla's parents would not get to do. Now, the murdered teenager's parents will live on without her grieving for their daughter until... They, too, eventually passed away without ever seeing her killer being brought to justice. That's horrible. It is. that pain to live with for the rest of your life. Right. It is. It is. But police did have key evidence, but they just needed to wait until technology could catch up. Now, you know, this is my favorite part to every story. Mm -hmm. DNA was found on Carla's clothing and it had been preserved. In the 1990s, the DNA was input it into a national database, but nothing Mm -hmm. came up. Then, on April 2019, police received a letter from a person claiming to be the man who had abducted and murdered Carla. Now, police put the letter out on social media and asked the man to come forward. Then, in September of 2019, police joined forces with Orthram and Company, which happens to be a private lab in Texas. Now, Orthram was able to pull a full genetic profile of the suspect using the DNA that had been preserved, okay? Preserved preserved for four decades and they were able to pull that. That's amazing. So using familial genealogy, the lab was able to reverse engineer a family tree for the suspect. They were able to narrow it down to three brothers, all with the same last name. Can you guess that last name? Don't tell me that it's McCurley. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So cold case investigators obviously right away recognized the last name as it matched one of the initial suspects. Right. In July of 2019, police collected a sample of Glenn Samuel McCurley. Now, what they did is they got DNA from a discarded trash Mm -hmm. from outside his house. Following a positive match, they were able to obtain an arrest warrant. Now... After his arrest, he submitted two additional DNA samples, which both tested positive. Wow. Which now this solidified investigators, they believe that they had found the right man. Yeah. Police officers conducted another interview with the now 77-year-old Glenn McCurley. Now, Glenn continued to deny his involvement in the case, and he reiterated to them that he has never and never met Carla Walker. Then why in the hell would your DNA be on her? I mean, that just makes no sense whatsoever. And get this, the two additional DNA samples he gave to the police officers willingly because he was adamant that he had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So Glenn allowed the officers to swab the inside of his mouth, which eventually is what led to his arrest. The DNA matched that of the profile found on the victim's clothing. And almost five decades later, police finally had enough evidence against him. 
And on September 21st, 2020, Glenn Samuel McCurley was arrested for the murder of Carla Walker. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. These are my favorite stories. I mean, to me, I go back to, did you really think that you weren't going to get caught? Or does he have other victims? That's what I was thinking, And too. he doesn't recall her. Well, I don't know about that, but could there be other victims? I mean, clearly he's done this before. He wasn't just stealing cars. Mm -hmm. One thing is to hijack a car. And then another thing is to hijack or abduct a person and then hold Mm -hmm. them captive. You know what I mean? So that's that's just a whole nother level. And if he was able to get away with it at that point, what's to stop him from doing that again? Exactly. That's that's my thought, too. It's like he wasn't just only if he was only stealing cars how did he go from that to murdering somebody Mm -hmm. abducting them capturing them for a few days torturing them shooting them up with heroin and then murdering them you know that's kind of that's very those are two different that's a very different thing right (laughs) when does it just jump from one thing to another and if that's the first time then you know i find it hard to believe that he didn't attempt to do that again Mm -hmm. what is interesting that he never left he was comfortable he enough to stay there. I know. And not go anywhere, actually raise a family. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd think that they would have, his best opportunity would be just get the hell out of there. That's but. what I would have thought too. But like I said, he, I don't know, maybe he really did think that he can outsmart police officers. I'm yeah. not sure. But Glenn Samuel McCurley has been charged with capital murder and is being held on a $100,000 bond at the Tarrant County Jail. Now, Carla is survived only by her brother, Jim Walker, who was just 12 years old at the time of her murder, which Mm. I can't imagine. Now, her, like I said before, her parents died without ever knowing what happened to her, but Jim was relieved to know that his sister's killer was finally caught 46 years after her murder. I mean, think about that. 46 years after her murder. And they finally caught him. Yeah, that's that's incredible. For Mm -hmm. it to be one of the initial suspects, Mm -hmm. right? That's just... I mean, they were there all along. Yeah, they were there. They were there all along, but they didn't have much on this case. Yeah. But what's even more incredible is that in a statement, Jim said that he harbored no hate towards Glenn Samuel McCurley and his family. And he said that he had been praying for him and hope one day to see him in heaven. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast True Crime Weekly. And please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.